Welcome to Maritime Software Hub, the People Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Gina Paniotu, who is uh, an ESG specialist. Um, so focusing on the environmental, social and government issues, in particular in the maritime space. So we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about how technology is advancing um, ESG uh, policies, processes and systems within the maritime arena. Um, so thank you again for tuning in. Enjoy the show and let's catch up soon. Hi, Gina. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Callum. It's absolutely a pleasure to be here. Well, you're very welcome. I know we've been speaking for quite a few years now. I think, uh, I don't know if it goes back to my Clarkson's days, but I'm really, um, yeah, we've enjoyed our previous dialogue and obviously uh, all the insights you've shared over the years in your different kind of projects and things. So, so welcome. Um, yeah, today we're going to focus the conversation around ESG kind of procedures and policies and how technology can perhaps possibly help kind of, uh, drive that forward um, in the shipping space. So um, thank you for coming on board. And uh, if you don't mind to start with, if you can give us a quick overview of, of your background, who you are, and uh, we can then dive into some questions. Yes, um, sure. Um, I think actually we met when you were just launching this. So it's very, uh, uh, very nice to see the progress. And I'm really, really excited about this chat today. Um, about me, so I'm a lawyer. I'm a maritime lawyer by academic background. Um, I kind of ended up in this industry, like most of us, by coincidence. Um, I've worked most of my careers with ship owners. I think I've been in the industry now for almost eight, uh, 11 years. Sorry, It was kind of a natural transition into ESG, as I've always been more on the environmental policy side and quite active with WISTA, as you may know. So the two kind of married each other and um, gave it more purpose. Um, I then set up my own consultancy doing ESG for a few years, and I'm currently the ESG manager at West PI Club, where I lead their ESG strategy and represent them on the IG group on sustainability matters. Great. No, fantastic. And, and also, uh, congratulations. I saw um, you've been nominated uh, for the, is it Sea Trade Maritimes 20 under 40? Yeah, Excellent. yeah, that was quite a surprise, but uh, thank you very much. No, well, well, what, what does that involve? What, what sort of uh, kind of is that relate to? So uh, the Sea Trade Maritime list, uh, the 20 under 40, is a list of 20 individuals, young professionals in the industry. I'm not sure how young I fall in that scale, but um, I, I, I'd accept it with pleasure. Uh, that are making progress, making waves or doing something different in the industry and really, you know, helping it move towards a sustainable future uh, and are quite active in different elements of the industry. Um, it's announced every couple of years by Sea Trade. This year, it was uh, the awards were held in the Middle East, and uh, it's just, I think, a great opportunity to showcase those young individuals and the next, I guess, leaders of this industry. Yeah, no, I agree definitely. I'll, I'll sort of follow it closely, um, and and I can see you obviously working on. Is it the World Ocean Council and and, and Oceans Arena that they they kind of ongoing projects that you that you look after. Um, so the World Ocean Council is more of a voluntary activity where I work with them as an associate as we're quite, so as this, there's a shift and developing of how the oceans are being used by the shipping industry and generally a new legislation like obviously the High Seas Treaty and different uh, elements like that. Um, we're looking at how we can bring together 
uh, individuals from the sector, from the private and government sector, to improve policy and make it, I guess, more relatable to where the world is going and what we need to combat these climate issues. Interesting. Okay, great. All right, well, let's dive into kind of our main discussion today. So maybe if you can, to start with, give us a quick overview of, of what ESG is, what it mean, kind of means to you in, in your interpretation, um, and then we can look at kind of relating it to shipping. Uh, in my interpretation, I think that ESG is the greatest opportunity this industry has been given to shine. Um, so to break it down a bit for those who may not be so, not be so familiar with it, uh, ESG is environmental, social and governance, that uh, covers and is aligned with the sustainability development goals of the United Nations. So the environmental aspect obviously is quite uh, self-descriptive. It has to have uh, do with climate change, but things also like the health of our oceans. Um, then on the social element, uh, a big pack part of that is of course gender equality but then we've got the wider diversity issues and when it comes to maritime crew welfare is also top on the agenda um, and one of the three core pillars at west that we're focusing on actually and then the governance side is basically all the reporting standards what you have to be complying with the transparency kind of initiatives of that sector and all of those three tied together in a way because obviously to be um, doing what's good for the environment you need innovation to innovate you need talent so that touches upon the social element and then obviously for that talent to be able to create their ideas they need good governance structures in place yeah and I think it's interesting because I think all three of those key kind of pillars we're seeing different a whole range of maritime technology kind of businesses focus on either all of them or, or certainly kind of individual kind of um uh, key yeah, either the environmental social or the government side so let's have a look at shipping so if we talk about the role of technology um how you do you see it as helping kind of aiding towards kind of businesses esg policies and and, and procedures yeah I'm, I'm actually going to say that it's in my top three of how you implement a successful esg strategy i mean first obviously you need the leadership and the board buy-in that's very important Secondly, you need a very realistic uh, strategy that's quite um, focused on your business values. And then you need tech in all three elements of that, because I mentioned a bit earlier as we broke down the pillars, um, tech is very much a big part of making existing fleets more efficient because we need to remember we're not just talking about the fleets that we're building in the future. There's a vessel has a lifespan of minimum 35, 40 years, right? And there's there's going to be a lot of ships that need to become more efficient. The way to do that is through tech platforms, through tech solutions that will facilitate things like just-in-time arrivals and at port, um, better bow filing processes, or, for example, complementing your energy sources, which say would will with things like wind propulsion for example sorry that's what i was trying to say and um, then on the social aspect of it as i mentioned there's a lot of focus in shipping on the crew welfare a big part of that is connectivity tech falls right into that but beyond that there's a lot of interesting startups which are popping up and i had the opportunity to work with one for example care4c as an advisor where they do um, monitoring of sleep pattern data. So that gives you a very accurate picture of the welfare of your seafarers, which may sometimes, you know, it's not translated to show the diff 
difficulties that they're going through. So tech, you know, has a very important role in assessing data patterns where it has to do with climate um, or the social element. And then, of course, when we come down to governance, which I think is quite a big challenge in the industry, there's all these reporting standards that are flying around and you need to make sure your data is accurate. You need to make sure, you know, there's no duplicate entries. A lot of companies struggle with that at the moment. So that's another element where you need a really good tech structure internally and external providers, software providers, where you can accurately report. And ideally, uh, it's not so time consuming for you to do it, you know, manually or have to be monitoring what do I need to comply with CII or what do I need to comply with the Poseidon principles? It's so tech is um, is everywhere, basically. Yeah, I think we're seeing from our side the different. If we break it down, the different kind of businesses that we kind of either work with or maybe we've had on the show before. If you look on the environmental side, you've got a whole range of them. Obviously, either vessel performance focus focused solutions, as you say, like carbon monitoring, uh, kind of SaaS platforms that are very focused on uh, monitoring en- engine emissions, that type of thing. So. Um, we're seeing a whole lot. And then on the social side, there's been some interesting companies that we've actually spoken to really late, very recently. Uh, companies like Signal, um, uh, Tiller, who we just had on the, the podcast last week. Um, and they're really kind of trying to transform that kind of crew uh, onboarding, offboarding sort of process, um, as well as understanding kind of the behavioral sort of science behind the, the crew welfare and their patterns of behavior. Um, lots of interesting companies doing that type of thing. And another thing, actually, that I forgot to mention, and it is a project I'm kind of involved with, again, as an advisor. So a big issue with the crew welfare is that you can't really measure it. How do you measure, you know, where you're improving? And that's a big part when it com- for owners when it comes to reporting on the standards. Um, so there's this company I'm working with who are developing an app that... Uh, basically seafarers can be the end user and it allows you to create some metrics on how you're improving what more needs to be done so uh, these are also very interesting aspects and very creative elements of how you know tech is falling in to help you report better and create a better ESG strategy and implement it better yeah and do you think the I mean we see a lot of kind of um, maritime software companies now that also have like compliance solutions uh, and um, regularity kind of uh, and sanctions kind of uh, modules to, to keep people advised and on track. Are the classification societies playing a big part in that governance piece? Are you seeing or, or is it less so? Classifications have always uh, had a big part to play in the governance uh governance of things um i think that what we should say here that definitely you know the responsible person who will look into it who will issue the relevant certificates compliance with existing legislation uh, i would say that we may we are lacking behind when it comes to having those proper governance structures in place in respect to tech and that's not all, just in maritime i mean we're seeing this big revolution with AI, right? And a couple of weeks ago in the UK, we had an AI AI safety uh, summit. And I think the issue there is that, and which applies to the shipping industry also, AI is developing so quickly, legislation isn't, the governance structure isn't. So you're kind of, it's a wild beast. So how do you manage that? So I think we do have quite a way to go to put those governance, those proper governance structures in place, which then the classification societies and respective authorities will be able to properly 
implement and help support that development and evolution. This might not link, but um, do do kind of like a ship registry and kind of flags uh, relate to kind of governments or is it more perhaps not in their kind of uh, jurisdiction? Is it more to do with, as you say, the classification societies and, and other businesses? No, a lot of stakeholders are involved. Of course, it depends on the flag. So some are port state controlled flags, uh, some are um, state flags and some are the convenience flags of convenience, as some call them. Uh, so it depends on what uh, powers they have when it comes to uh, governance and respect. But yes, most flags would be involved with the issuance of certificates, with compliance. Uh, so there are quite a few stakeholders which would be involved in the process, depending on jurisdiction. Yes, I've never really reached out or spoken to too many kind of um, personnel from the flags themselves, actually, regarding their what they're doing in innovation and technology and stuff. That's something I might kind of try and pursue. We, we, we speak to a lot of classification societies and obviously the suppliers themselves. Um, but that's something I, I think I'm going to try and uh, dive a bit more into. Um, uh, OK, good. aspect, yeah. Because quite a few are now yeah. really looking at green initiatives and how they're they're supporting that with owners, so it would be interesting. Yeah, good, and and, and also the actual ports themselves. We're seeing lots of advancements, as you said before, kind of like a, a birthing, like loading, discharging times, and monitoring time. Kind of, I guess sat idle, essentially, kind of wasting fuel and things. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, so for anybody kind of considering a role in, in your maybe not your type of position, but focused on, on the ESG space. Um, any kind of advice for people getting into that arena? If it's a, I mean, it is a, a valuable career path that you find, well, what do you kind of enjoy about it? What I enjoy about it, I think for me, I'm, I'm very purpose driven when it comes to my career. And as I mentioned a bit earlier, it tied everything together. So I'll, I was very passionate about the environmental policy side of things and also the so- social element, crew welfare um, and gender equality. So it's a very purpose driven mission for me. And I do feel it's a fantastic opportunity for us as an industry to finally shine and correct that narrative that we're the industry that pollutes the ocean. We're not the industry that pollutes the ocean. We're the industry that's responsible for 90% of life as we know it. Um, So it's a good opportunity for us to reset that narrative. On people considering um, a path or joining, obviously this is something that will be in high demand and we're seeing new roles appearing from analysts to chief sustainability officers. Uh, I think the important part is a good understanding that it is a challenging thing. You're speaking a new language to a quite conservative industry, so you need to be prepared for that. Uh, Also having a very firm understanding of ESG is quite mainstream, so it applies to a lot of industry, but understanding how you're going to then translate it into the sector, whether it be maritime or, or other that you're using, because... Uh, One thing I need to say, and I feel like I see it happening a lot um, with ESG strategies, you can either do it, if you do it really well, it does give you that opportunity to stand out. But if if it goes wrong, you've got then accusations like greenwashing and all these other considerations. So it's not a career that you can take lightly. It's a very big responsibility for companies that you're, you're bearing this great responsibility on how they're presenting themselves uh, the social license that they have to operate in the future. So it is um, something that people need to be aware of, but it, it is very interesting and it's also an emerging 
field so you've got the scope i guess to to play and create briefly interrupt this episode to tell you about our core business which is cordell beaumont so we're a specialist digital and commercial shipping recruitment agency um, my background is, is shipbroking. We've come very much from the maritime space. Uh, my family heritage and my grandfather and my mother were both shipbrokers. Uh, and my dad is actually, he runs his own freight forwarding business. So kind of shipping is very much uh, a passion of, of mine and, and our families. Um, and now I've kind of translated that into the recruitment space. Um, between kind of 2015 and 2019, I helped run the recruitment for Clarkson's, the, the large shipbroking company. Um, and during my time there, I was very involved in, in recruiting either brokers or vessel operators, uh, post-fixture charterers, market research analysts. But more relevant perhaps to the to what we're doing now is very involved in helping map out and starting to build the the, the technical technology platform they had. So their SaaS platform. Um, and I gained between those like four years or so really good insights into um, what was happening in the maritime technology space, in particular between 2015 and 2019, the emerging companies that were, that were growing either in vessel performance, chartering platforms, um, kind of uh, carbon monitoring solutions. All of those businesses were, were kind of in their infancy at that time. Um, but since then have very much grown and, and we've all seen the, the the market and the number of suppliers kind of evolve and, and pretty much explode, to be honest with you. So now... Cordell Beaumont, we focus on helping either the kind of vessel performance, voyage optimization, carbon monitoring type of platform providers, e-navigation, hire, um, either in their sales teams, marketing, product, kind of the key go-to-market type of sort of functions. We, we, that's really our sweet spot. Um, and typically in the mid to senior level. So we don't do too, so much on entry level kind of graduates. It's more people have got a bit of experience either from the maritime space um, or from the software space or combined, ideally, for most most businesses. So that's our, our primary kind of focus. Um, we we off, operate all around the world. So our clients are based in, obviously in Europe, um, typically where the key shipping hubs are. So Germany is a big market for us, Norway, Greece, UK, um, Denmark, as I said, Germany, uh, the US more and more so lately, uh, and then Singapore and Dubai. So real kind of global network. So if you'd like to kind of reach out regarding any um, either vacancies that you've seen on our website, or perhaps you're considering a career within the digital shipping space, please visit www.cordellbeaumont.com or you can email me, so callum at cordellbeaumont.com. Um, I'll be delighted to have a chat with you. And if you are thinking about expanding your team or you're a startup in the maritime software space, you want to learn about perhaps the mobility trends, the hiring trends in certain markets, even if it's to do with salaries, what, what are people looking for? Uh, how can you help attract more people to your business? Uh, I'd love to have like a strategic hiring call with you. And again, just email callum at cordellbeaumont.com. Thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, and, and I guess from your work in the kind of projects, are you ever kind of comparing and taking kind of a... Uh, um, I guess, sort of examples and leads from other industries like aviation or automotive, do they have quite, quite advanced kind of um, steps in this place already? Yeah, obviously, I think maritime industry is probably not the most advanced. So I always, as a person, try and um, go across industries and monitor and follow news 
that are more mainstream and will report on other industries. I mean, especially uh, the investment, the bank sectors, they're, they're quite big on it because they have to comply for com- governance issues. But then, yeah, also other industries like um, aviation, like even hospitality. Um, so I do try and uh, look at other industries and see what you can bring back and how you can adjust it to the shipping and maritime industry. Interesting. No, great. Okay. And we haven't discussed this question before. I'm just sort of throwing it out there, by the way. <laughs> what, what, what do you think, like going forward in the next kind of three to five years or so, how, how do you think it's going to change? Do you think more and more businesses are starting to uh, kind of take note and adjust their, their kind of workforce to factor in these, these kind of key issues that need to be um, I- implemented? Definitely. So my personal perspective, I think with things like the new reporting standards, CSRD, that's coming in from the European Union and how companies will have to be reporting on a more standardized approach. Um, I think the main shift we're going to see in difference is that companies are not just going to be throwing it around as a buzzword and a tick box exercise. They're going to realize this is something we need to do. But it's also going to be helpful to see that that return of investment, which now it's very difficult to translate and get through to boards because uh, you can't really explain what will be the benefits. But if they can see in the long term that it is benefiting my business, it is setting me apart from competition and, you know, it, it say it mitigates the risk of fines and other compliance issues there or reputational damage even. Um, and another big thing that I say, talent retention and attraction, because who's going to want to work for you if you're not uh, if you're not purpose driven and you don't care about the planet. So I think um, that's a shift we're going to see in the next three to five years. Definitely companies not from now just seeing it a bit as a tick box exercise to, to going into truly appreciating the value that ESG can bring to the organization as a whole and to the business. Yeah, we, we, we recently had, uh, we, we every now and then we apply for tenders to be kind of on the preferred supplier list for large organizations to, to recruit for them. And we just did a very uh, a lengthy tender and got through it. And uh, they had a, a large part all about ESG, all mm-hmm. about our policy, our procedures. So it really helped us look at our um, kind of processes and, and start to think differently about what we can do. So it's interesting if businesses are also vetting their suppliers based on their own kind of uh, um, policies and, and, and kind of ideas around that. So um, I think that's really encouraging to see more and more kind of companies aiming to try and partner with people with similar values and things. So um, they are because, sorry for interrupting, um, they are because it's a part of the process, uh, you know, now and with this reporting standard, especially public listed companies, for example. Uh, but it goes beyond if you want financing, you need to be going through pro- through these processes and have it a, a, a crucial part of your ESG strategy. Who am I working with? Are they aligned with what uh, I'm doing? So um, you need th- this will be a requirement with more most organizations that you need to work with going forward. Yeah. Okay. And if somebody is interested in in a, following this kind of career path and doing more projects, obviously you, you've come from a, law, a marine law background. Are there any other kind of typical avenues people might sort of go through to, to get to this sort of role or work on these sort of projects? Is it, you mentioned analysis and, 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 and legal side, any kind of a bit more elaboration on that or any other paths you could think of? It depends really 
so it's an interesting one because a lot of roles can fit into this, right? I mean, um, from risk management to a data analyst. Um, if you want to do ESG, what I strongly recommend is usually uh, do something more mainstream to understand ESG and where it fits in. And there's a lot of even short courses that are quite good on that respect because um, I don't really think that we have a very advanced maritime ESG uh, training course yet. Uh, so I say it depends where you want to sit in this role. Is it the ESG strategy part where then you need to be more on the business side and probably things like an MBA or understanding the business structure? Do you want to be on the analysis side where you're helping the process through gathering the data? So obviously you go into something more on data analysis. Um, you could even be on the IT side and developing this the systems for big organizations to uh, gather that data, share that data, etc. So it really depends on what your passion is, I guess. And there's quite a few paths into uh, this uh, sector. For me, it was obviously environmental policy and law. But I think what I should have mentioned also earlier is that ESG isn't one thing. You you can't just hand it. So up until now, a lot of organizations would either hand it to the legal department, hand it to the risk department, hand it even to the marketing department. It's a combination of all of this. So you can't just say this is the one path into ESG. I think if you've got a passion in something, you'll probably find a way uh, into it. Okay. And, and do you see some companies have like a an ESG officer or ESG manager? Are there now different roles kind of breaking up all around the, the topic? Yeah, so interestingly enough, uh, I'm probably the only titled ESG manager at the PNI club out of the 11 that are part of the IG group. Uh, other clubs, of course, do have sustainability officers or it's combined with something else that they, they already do. Um, but I think we're seeing this increase and um, you probably will also start seeing it from a recruiter side uh, for roles like ESG analysts, for roles like um, chief sustainability officers, ESG managers, ESG directors. Uh, so there's a lot of that um, going around, especially in other industries, but I think it's increasingly uh, becoming more common in the shipping sector, especially as the reporting standards are becoming more uh, stringent. Yeah, no, I agree. We are seeing a couple, not not huge, not regularly. So it's definitely, I think, something that's going to grow, as, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Well, anything else you'd like to kind of share? Any other words of wisdom about the subject before we wrap things up? No, I think, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, I truly feel it's such a huge opportunity for us as an industry to reset the narrative. It's an opportunity to truly embrace tech and make and create a better future. And something I think I always like to say, um, maybe why I'm so passionate about ESG, there's so much discussion about what the fuel of the future is, but uh, the key to the industry's sustainability is talent. And we need to really be looking into how we're going to be attracting and retaining the best brains that can innovate for us and can really help us take this industry forward and uh, ensure its sustainability. Yeah, and I guess that goes back guess a little bit to the education piece from from a younger age and, and exposure to the different opportunities out there and we're seeing more um i mean we obviously passionate about the digital shipping space but we've we've attended universities and and, and spoken at them and things and walked them through different career opportunities within the digital shipping side uh, and touched upon the vessel performance and the other kind of um environmental focus 
platforms. And when we talk to candidates um, about kind of opportunities that maybe aren't in a maritime, uh, they're not in the maritime space, um, when they start to hear about, okay, this is working on these sort of environmentally friendly or trying to drive net zero by reducing some sort of emissions or something. So it sparks people's interest. Um, And I think they start to think, okay, I'm actually doing, hopefully going to work for someone that's kind of working towards um, something really positive. So it's getting that, um, yeah, advertising that I think a little bit more. uh, And we try to do that, obviously, from our side, but I think businesses need to do it more as well. Um, Cool. All right. Definitely. Definitely a chance to reset that narrative there and uh, really shine some light, positive light on this industry. No, sounds good. Okay, right. So, so uh, I always ask people this, but um, obviously we've never met physically in person. So I'd love to learn a bit more about you. And uh, in particular, any kind of particular hobbies or passions that you have that people may not know about? Um, hobbies and passions that people wouldn't know about. I think one that probably people find a bit uh, interesting is that I box a little bit. I don't do it professionally. Oh, wow, cool. But I do do it more as a fitness part. But yeah, I enjoy. I've enjoyed very much learning how to box over the past year and a half. So that's something probably people don't know about me, or I don't know if they can tell. But... <laughs> do you ever do sparring, or is it mainly kind of like a uh, circuits and in, in, in the gym type of thing? It is. Well, it isn't sparring with other people, but with a trainer, yeah, we do do some yeah. sparring. But yeah, as I said, it's very early stages, so yeah, but. Other than that, pretty boring stuff that I do in my spare time, you know, like reading on personal development or, you know, catching a podcast of the diary of the CEO. So, yeah. Oh, great. No, good. My, my, I have two children, a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and they're very much into boxing at the moment. And um, stupidly, I bought them some like, little, little plastic gloves and things, and I bought them like a, a blow-up kind of um, punch bag for Christmas. So probably a terrible idea, but they're going through that phase at the moment. Um, I'll tell you what, which I hadn't expected. I, I'll say I started boxing more as, you know, as a self-defense uh, to learn a bit about self-defense. The focus and coordination that's required in this sport is something that's, that really blew my mind away. I mean, you really, you really need to be on the ball. It's incredible. So I think it helps so much, especially for children. I mean, I think you did very well. Yeah. Yeah, let let them do do that because it it's, it really is incredible the focus and coordination that you need to develop. Yeah, and definitely discipline and that type of thing. So hopefully, yeah, like as long as I don't hit other people, that sort of stuff is okay. But um, they're enjoying it. <laughs> okay, well, Gina, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Um, if anybody would like to reach out to you, kind of if they have any questions or, or would like to kind of perhaps set up a call with you, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. It's uh, Gina Panayotu. And if you DM me there or my email address is probably also on the website or should be on West's website. Um, so um, I would say LinkedIn is probably better because I monitor that like 24-7 probably. But um, yeah, that would be I'd be happy to have a chat and discuss any of the things we've discussed today further. Great. Okay, cool. I'll put uh, also a link to your details in in the show notes. But thank you so much for joining us. um, And yeah, really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge in in this particular area. And I'm sure our audience will too. Thank you so much for the invitation, Callum. It's been a pleasure. 
Well, I definitely think I've got, uh, learned a little bit more about the ESG space after that conversation. Um, in particular, kind of the different role functions within ESG that perhaps are a bit more prominent maybe in other industries at the moment, but are likely to become um, more and more uh, prevalent in the shipping space. So if someone's interested in that kind of career path um, and is obviously very focused and passionate about a particular area, um, please do reach out. It'd be great to have a conversation with you and maybe down the line or maybe even currently we can, some of our businesses and clients that we work with could well be interested in, in speaking to you. So thank you again. Thank you again, sorry, for joining the podcast and speaking again soon.